This is Bob Rourke with Business Leaders Podcast, and today we're remote in the north end of Colorado Springs. We're with the CEO of 360 Sports, Craig Dillman. Craig, thanks for taking time out of your afternoon. I appreciate it, Bob. Tell me a little bit about what you do in 360 Sports and who you serve. What we do is we represent NFL players when they come out of college, and we're basically career counselors, negotiators. We wear lots of hats. And we help them through their journey through the NFL. And at some point in time, the game of football is going to leave them behind. And at that point in time, we want them to be in a position where they're financially stable, they have sound mind and body, and they've got opportunities after football. You know, for you, you know, a lot of folks, the whole agent world, I think, there's many misunderstandings about what you guys do. I suspect that Jerry Maguire movie had a great deal to do with that. Absolutely. So let's walk back a ways. And how did you get involved? Or what, what did you do before you became an NFL uh, agent? Well, first, you got to look at the fact that I, I love sports. I love competition. I played college football. And when I got out of college and was in accounting and tax accounting, I was bored out of my mind. And so I went to law school to pursue something in sports. And so I found my way into the athlete representation business uh, back in 1990. And it gives me an opportunity to mentor young men, coach them. I love coaching. And you are the ultimate coach when you're an agent. It is funny, as I think about, in my impression, and I'm woefully ignorant, is that you have a notion of what an agent does. And the coaching aspect, now that you say it, makes incredible sense. Because they have the coaching on their, their sports side, but you're a life coach for them. Absolutely. And I think the person that... Besides the players that have fathers, the person they respect the most is typically a coach. The vernacular, the nomenclature, everything that goes along with the player-coach relationship is the one that they hold the highest. And if you can communicate with a young man from a coach perspective, you can make more of an impression with them. Probably the channel they're used to listening on. Absolutely. And so looking at what you do for the athletes, you've been doing this for a very long time. How many athletes do you think you've worked with through the years and securing them a place in the NFL? Probably over a couple hundred. And I think about, for the folks who go, well, that's a couple hundred folks. And I think the audience is in, in maybe a couple of different camps. You have the audience that may well have either a friend or, or somebody that's trying to get in the NFL as a college player. And then you have the folks that are sports enthusiasts and trying to understand the process of going from an NFL prospect to being in the league. So let's talk about the typical things that are processed for an NFL prospect from college coming up to what's important to them to get into the NFL. That's a great question because there's a lot of myths involved in what it really takes to be an NFL player. And when guys come out of college, you have to look at where they started. These guys were talented athletes, probably multi-sport athletes from when they were knee high. They were probably the best player in their middle school, certainly the best players in their high schools. And then they come to play college football. And then they learn that it's a business. That's a big separator for players because there's five stars, four stars, three stars, but not all of them rise to the top. And the ones that are NFL prospects are the guys that have survived all that screening up to that point. And so this is the time in their life where they really want to cash in they want to capitalize on the opportunity they have to get paid for something that they've been playing for free their whole life. And I think that 
when you're sitting down with a young man or his family and they're just at the brink of becoming an NFL player. They want to make the right decisions, the right choices. They want to be with the right people. They don't want to leave any money on the table. They want to take advantage of every opportunity they can. And so they're looking for people that can guide them through that process. As a kid that gets out of high school, gets recruited, gets a scholarship to college, talk about that they go from basically the game to working in the game. What's that like for a kid that's in, that's extremely competitive and maybe an NFL prospect, their college work slash study life? What's that like for them? I think it's the first time in their life where they they have to learn how to juggle a lot of balls. College football players today are under a lot of pressure, especially a lot of time demands. But college football coaches know that if they keep them in the stadium and they keep them in the building, whether it's lifting weights, whether it's uh, studying hall, whether it's meetings or practice or extra film study, they stay out of trouble. And so most college football players have to love the game or they're miserable because it's a full-time job. My son plays college football in the, in the Power Five and he loves the game, but he has no free time. They pretty much take up about 46 or so weeks out of the year. I mean, they don't get any downtime. And pretty much most of your day is taken up between academics and demands of the football stadium. So for the, the kids that are listening to this, I say kids, collegiate athletes that are, are the, the NFL prospects, when should they start thinking about what they need to be doing that will make them different or make them stand out or distinguish their chances to, or increase their chance to be in the NFL? I think the best way to make a case for yourself in the NFL is to be an awesome college football player. Understand that you've got to be able to connect with your coaches. You've got to know your playbook inside and out. Ultimately, on Saturday afternoons, you have to perform and be one of the elite players. And between Sunday and Friday, you've got to go to class. You've got to take care of your studies. You've got to take care of your body. You've got to take care of your sleep. And you got to find the time for your girlfriend. you got to find time to have some fun, too. But it's really a balancing act for these guys. And if they can learn to balance the demands that they have in college and then perform like a madman on Saturday afternoons, the NFL is going to be there. If you were going to offer advice to, let's say it's a younger athlete, not yet in college, and they're going, I'd like to take in and get to college and ultimately play in the NFL. What are the three or four things that you would explain to them in detail that would give them the opportunity or increase their opportunity? So for a high school kid, I think the biggest thing is that they have to maximize their physical abilities and they need to listen to their coaches, not go on their own private plan. Coaches have their best interests in mind. And so young men in college don't look like young men in high school. So there's a tremendous amount of physical development. And a lot of that is done in the weight room. So if a young man in high school really attacks the weight room, that's going to help him. If he's a skill position player, he's going to want to run track. He's going to want to do multiple sports. The best way to get to be excellent at football is also to be excellent at other sports. More multi-sport athletes are successful in college than single-sport athletes. Huh. Is there a preferred other sport that these guys play that increase their opportunity to be in the NFL? I don't think so. I think basketball, soccer, some of the movement sports are more important than golf. And mm. I love golf, but it's not going to help you be an NFL player. And so I think when you play multiple sports, 
your body gets used to going lots of different directions, a lot of different movement patterns, and less susceptible to injury if you are a multi-sport athlete. From what I understand about the NFL, there's been a movement toward more flexibility. Maybe it's always been there, but it seems like it's talked about more. Do you find that the guys are more focused now on flexibility as well as strength? I find them being more focused on recovery, and that includes everything. That includes stretching. It includes hot and cold tub. It includes yoga. I mean, there's lots of different disciplines that play into that. But it's more about recovery. Guys that are elite athletes can do it one time. But the superstars do it every week for the whole season. And that's the dividing line between the superstars and the rest of the rank and files, the guys that can recover. For the, you know, I don't know what the average time is for an NFL player to be in the league. But for the guys that have long careers in the league, what distinguishes them between a long career in the league and those that have the two, three, or four-year career in the league? It sounds like an easy question to answer. I would say some of it is luck. A lot of it is health. And a lot of it is being in the right place at the right time, being a good fit with your scheme. But ultimately, it boils down to what's between the young man's ears. What's his mindset? How does he handle the business of the NFL? So, for example, he has a tremendous amount of athleticism and talent. He's probably going to play two or three years. But if he wants to play 10, he has to have the spirit of a rookie in year four. He has to have the energy of a rookie in year six. He has to have the commitment and the want to of a rookie when he's in year eight. And that's not easy to do. And at year 10, he has to reinvent himself. Because the way the NFL works is they're always looking for younger, healthier, and cheaper. So once you're 26, 27, you're not young anymore in the NFL. Generally, you're more beat up, and you better be making more money. So they're trying to get rid of you. So if you don't have that spirit of a rookie when you're a veteran, you're not going to be a veteran very long. We talked a little bit before the, the episode about mindset, and you touched on the mindset of being a rookie and reinventing yourself. When you look across your career of the various players, what were the top one or two distinguishing characteristics that propel some of these guys into the league? Is it mindset mostly and physical ability, or is there more to it than that? All of them have physical ability. There are a few that have elite physical ability, but the distinguishing factor is always the mindset and belief. And what I find is that you can't accomplish what you don't believe you can accomplish. And if you don't have the mindset to do the right things, to put yourself in a position to do, to be successful, you won't. And so what I find is that in the NFL, regardless of a young man's draft in the first round, second round, fifth round, no round, if he is committed to becoming a starter, if he's committed to becoming a contributor as a rookie, he has to have a different mindset. He also has to have, has to have a different belief. You know, for, there'll be somebody listening and go, okay, I want to get my mindset right. Well, what exactly do I do? What is a proper mindset? What are the components in your mind of proper mindset? First and foremost, you have to be authentic. So you can't have a dream and you can't have a wish unless you're going to back it up with work. Okay? So that's number one. Number two is you have to know who you are. If you don't know who you are, every man struggles with, we're either trying to accomplish something or trying to avoid something. And as a consequence, you really have to know who you are and what your propensities are. You know, if you're going to end up spending too much time playing video games, 
leave your video equipment at home and don't take it to training camp. If you spend if there's if you have girl issues, you got to make the commitment to put football ahead of girls. Regardless, every man needs to know who he is. The second thing is needs to know is why he does what he does. As an NFL player, the guys that have somebody else they're playing for have a tendency to play longer. Because once you get a little bit of money in your pocket, NFL's too hard. You can make that kind of money doing other things. So you have to have a big why. And generally as a man, you have two whys. Something you're trying to get or somebody you're trying to prove wrong. And sometimes it's that middle school coach, high school coach, college coach that told you you couldn't do it. Maybe it's the media that told you you couldn't do it. Maybe it's your dad that told you you couldn't do it. That is a motivator for a lot of NFL players. And then for guys that maybe didn't have nice things when they were kids, maybe you had three guys, three siblings sleeping in the same room, they wanted to have nice things. And so you have to know why you're doing it. And then the last thing you have to know is what kind of impact can you make as an NFL player? What impact can you make on your family? What kind of impact can you make on your community? What kind of impact can you make on a cause? Something that's near and dear to your heart. So as an NFL player, it's really a, a three-dimensional thing. And I'll just review it. Number one, you got to know who you are. Number two, you have to understand what your why is and why you play football. And number three is you have to appreciate and embrace the, the impact that you have the, the stage to make. When you're in the NFL, you're, you're on a stage. And you got an opportunity to make an impact. When you put those three together, your mindset's going to come together. Well, you're shifting gears a little bit. So at some point, there's a reach out by you or by the athlete to you at some stage of their collegiate career. And how does that process work? Let's say that you're a freshman or sophomore, and I don't know when the NFL starts to look at the prospects. What's the proper steps for somebody that's an NFL prospect? What should they expect their years in college? And how do they select an agent? Okay. Those are a couple of different questions. Let's go first with how do you even put yourself in a position to be an NFL prospect? And that is doing what your coaches tell you to do, being excellent. The NFL is not for everybody. You have to be a superstar at your college to have an opportunity to play in the NFL. So it's doing all the right things to put yourself in a position so on Saturday afternoons, you're the guy. You're making plays. You're the leader. You're the guy that everybody looks to in, in tough situations. And that takes time. Some guys are very fortunate. They step right in as, as freshmen, and they're superstars from the jump. But for most guys, it takes time, especially good guys. It takes longer. Once they put themselves in a position to be marketable, be attractive to NFL teams, they can't go to the NFL and can't be drafted until they've completed three years. They're three years removed from high school. So redshirt sophomores, after that season, they can go to the NFL. True juniors, obviously seniors can go to the NFL. They have to be, it's either the NFL or get a real job. And at that point in time, the second part of that question was, what can they expect? How do they get contacted? First and foremost, you have to look at what's legal, what's appropriate in the NCAA with the state statutes and everything that's in place today, and in some cases, the schools. So NCAA does not prohibit any contact. They do prohibit giving players anything of value. So you can't give them a pencil, can't buy them lunch, can't give them a ride, but you can communicate and give materials and you can answer questions. And so at the end of the day, the contact that players get from agents after the game is an NFL prospect is pretty heavy because they're getting direct messaged on social media. 
the coaches tapping on the shoulder, tapping them on the shoulder, and saying, "Hey, uh, why don't you talk to my guy?" Uh, some schools, like University of Oregon, have a process where they interview, basically, maybe a system where agents submit interest in certain players. The director of compliance takes those agents to the players to find out which ones they want to meet. There's a lot of schools that do that. So there's a zillion different ways these players are contacted. The parents are contacted, but at the end of the day. I really feel like the NFL prospects that are the most successful have the ability to block out all that noise, eliminate, minimize the distractions as much, much as possible so that on Saturday afternoons, they're balling out. Because what I see happening over and over again is that during the summer, before the season, guys are projected to go really high in the draft and they get approached by 30, 40, 50 agents takes up a lot of time and then they get they don't have time to do the things they need to do to be successful and then when the draft comes they're disappointed so it's a very difficult challenge for these players to maintain focus through this process we're distractors okay i represent a lot of coaches most coaches don't like agents because they're distractors and the reason why is because an agent can tell a player hey man you shouldn't play because you're kind of dinged up that coach wants him to play. They're playing their arch rival next Saturday. So at the end of the day, I think it's very, very challenging for players to manage this process and funnel it down so they can get it to the people that they're really interested in and not be distracted from keeping the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is playing ball for whatever school they play for on Saturdays. You've worked with so many NFL players. And if you were to offer advice to an NFL prospect, here are the key things that you must consider before selecting an agent. I'm sure you have key advice. What would that be? Well, if you had a son and you asked me what criteria you should use to assist your son in picking an agent, certainly integrity, experience, want to. You know, everybody has different levels of interest in, in clients. Everybody's going to say, that you're going to be a priority, but you have to see through that and find out if you're really going to be a priority. I would go with a firm that doesn't take on too many guys because you will get lost in the shuffle just the way it works. It's a numbers game. And I would go with somebody that's a good fit for your son. If you're an NFL prospect, go with somebody that's a good fit for you. This is a very critical relationship for these young men because we act as their key advisor. And so if you don't feel comfortable, don't feel confident, you're probably not going to listen to their advice. And so why would you pay somebody if you're not going to listen to their advice? I think about one of the bigger decisions of their budding professional career. And I think about the pressure to get it right. Is there resources for these guys to go to to get it right? Teammates, previous teammates. They can contact NFLPA, but the NFLPA is kind of a neutral party because they are affiliated with every agent. But I think if a young man and his family have quality time and ask tough questions to people in my line of work, they'll figure out who's the good guys and who's a good fit for them. For the family out there, what are the one or two tough questions they should ask? That's a great question. You know, I think agents have visions for clients. Teams have visions for players. I would want to know what the agent's vision is for I can't answer that question you hadn't thought about. And that'll tell you a lot because they're just trying to sign you because they saw your name on a list and they just want to see how it works out. 
as opposed to seeing a player that could be like perhaps somebody they've already represented, maybe better than somebody they've represented, and they know what, what that young man's journey is going to look like. They already know what obstacles are going to be. They've already got a plan to make sure that they jump over those obstacles throughout their career so they can maximize their career. For the kid that's looking at agents, and you've got older agent with years of experience, and you have younger agent, everybody starts younger at some point. Absolutely. Less experience, maybe more enthusiasm. What's the comparison you know, between the pros and cons between somebody that's new and less experienced and somebody with a great deal of experience? What would be the benefit detriment between the two? I think if everything goes well for a young man while he's in an NFL, it doesn't matter. Unfortunately, in the NFL, there's a lot of twists and turns, detours, and disappointments. And that's where the savvy veteran agent will come in handy. I see myself as almost like a ER specialist from the standpoint that when things are going great, candidly, a player's mom can represent Okay, When things aren't going well, that's where the agent community is divided. Because... Some people are better life coaches than others. Some people look out for the best interests of their clients better than others. <clears throat> Some people will give authentic advice. Some people understand how the business works and how the NFL teams are going to look at this player based upon how, what decision he makes. And so I think an experienced agent that has integrity and ex- authenticity and is looking out for that young man's best interests, you're going to get different advice then you'll get from somebody that might be a cheerleader agent that's just telling the player how greedy he is. Effectively, there's three or four different types of agents in the, in the business. you got the cheerleader agent. That's the, the guy that's going to hit you up at the clubs. He's going to be fun. Not that these guys need more friends, but he's going to be one of your friends. Okay, And then, holy smokes, when something goes wrong, he may not be ready for that. And then you got the really sharp attorneys that are great negotiators that really don't know football that negotiate contracts. They're great at the negotiating table. They're not so great during the season and and during a young man's career when he's dealing with a relationship issue with his coach. When he's got to struggle with one of his peers, might be one of his best friends and they're competing for the same spot. Those guys are enough for helping that young man in that situation. In fact, they don't even understand it's happening. Okay, And then you've got coach agents. And that's the way I see myself as being a coach agent. And as a coach agent, you're really acting as a coach. It's more business coaching, life coaching, than football coaching. However, you still do football coaching. Because sometimes when you ask one of your clients, hey, what's your position coach telling you? And he's like, oh, he tells me this all the time. What are you doing about it? It didn't click. So you're like the interpreter. And so you go, this is what he's asking you to do. So if you don't earn the trust of your coach, you're never going to play. If you don't earn the trust of your coach, you're never going to start. If you don't understand if you don't if you don't gain the trust of your organization, they're never going to pay you. You're just going to hold spot warm until they put somebody else in there for you. So I think the coach agent relationship is one that gives players multiple benefits throughout their career. And what we've been talking about the NFL prospect and the young player, and then the young player comes to the end of his contract. Or you have a coach that is looking for a home. Do you represent those people as well? I do. What's the chief difference 
between the player that is now at the end of his first contract and the player that's you know that's just gotten drafted and coming into the league. Well, the biggest difference is the money and the leverage. So when a young man comes into the draft, obviously, and the draft is a wage scale. So first rider's going to make more than second and so on and so forth. When a young man is either a restricted free agent or an unrestricted free agent after three or four years, it's all about leverage. What's the difference between restricted and unrestricted? Um, restricted means basically the team you're with has a, an opportunity to retain you by just making a tender. And depending on the level of tender they offer, dictates what other teams have to give up if they want to pursue you. Where comparatively, if you're an unrestricted free agent, you're free. Once the free agency period starts, you can sign with any of the 32 teams. Okay. Let's say you have a fairly competitive athlete. He's done a good job, respected in the league, comes to the end of his contract. What are the considerations that an agent should have for that athlete? First, you need to understand if he wants to be where he's at, okay? And if he does, you want to try to find a way to maximize his income and keep him where he's at. He may have a wife, a couple of kids, and he may be in school. He may be close to home. He may be in a warm weather area. He may be on a winning team. For whatever reason, he wants to be where he's at. So I find my job in those situations to, to make it happen, but not at a discount, okay? If he wants to leave, then I need to find out which of the other 31 teams like him. I like him enough to pay him and where he's a good fit scheme wise. And so once I do that due diligence, then I can give him advice on there could be, there's typically four situations that happen to a player. They fit into one of four boxes. They should stay with their own team and they do. They should stay with their own team and they don't. They should leave and they do, but they should leave and they don't. There's two good boxes to be in and two bad ones. So if you should stay, I want to stay. He should go. I want him to go. And what goes along with that is the compensation. But what you don't want is a player that should go, that doesn't, and he's mad the rest of his career he didn't leave. Or he does leave, and he shouldn't have. And he doesn't realize it until he shows up to work the first day. And he's not a scheme fit. He's not a priority. He's in a new city. And now he's dealing with moving issues with his spouse. And he's starting a little and he could be back at his previous team enjoying life. There's no way we're going to cover everything on this particular episode about what you do and what you bring to the table. Because I think about, well, if they're leaving and you have to see where he fits. And I think about, well, if he's leaving one team and there's 31 other ones, how do you know who's looking for that skill set and that particular player? That's not a small thing to go find them all. So I thought we would shift gears a little bit. Okay. And I generally like to quiz everybody to death, which I read my favorite part of the show. And so for you, what's the most recent book or most influential book that's altered your perception on being a CEO and how you run your business and why? I would say an excellent book I've read recently is called Pitch Anything. And it's a sales book. And it talks about power frames. It talks about things in, in a different perspective than I've, I've seen before. And it just helps you understand that even though you might be sitting down with an owner and he might have a hundred times more money than you, maybe there's a situation where you feel like you're at a disadvantage, but there's situational power. And so when you're in negotiation, you have to find your situational power. And so you may not have the best player in the market, 
And then the second best play, third best play. But you can create an environment situationally where you have power. And that's where you, you maximize your leverage and maximize your client's money. So it, it stands the reason that when you hit free agency and there's a lot of times when you're working with your clients where you got the alpha male lead dog, but you can still be successful and still maximize dollars for clients that aren't that guy. Well, let's get that book. Not everybody is the lead dog. No. For you, looking back over your career, what failure or at the time apparent failure has served you or your company best or set you up for future achievement and why? I have to think about that for a second, but I would say that when you first start out doing anything, you typically do it for the right reasons. And when you grow, there's many reasons why you do what you do. And at some point in time, I have to practice what I preach, which is, who are you? And I think as an agent, you have to understand why you do what you do. What benefit are you giving to your clients? And so it's not necessarily a failure. It's more of a shift in mindset. Obviously, everybody wants to make money. Everybody does. But it's like, as I've grown and become more experienced in the industry, I really want to make an impact on the end. I understand now the impact I have made. And so when I pick my clients, I want to pick guys that get it, guys that appreciate my perspective and the way I do my business, the way I communicate, the way I talk, because I can make a bigger impact. As opposed to forcing fits, selling my soul to sign somebody that maybe I'm not a good fit with because number one, I won't be able to help them as much. And number two, we probably won't stay together because we'll both realize we're not good fits. Thinking about that, so you've been doing this for quite a while. Mm -hmm. What advice would the Craig of today offer the Craig that was starting in this industry in the beginning? Well, that's a great question. Well, one of the things that I have done is I've studied my successful clients and what made them tick, what was their thoughts, what was their approach, what was their mindset. And I've also studied other agents and other player situations over the years. So you can learn a lot in this business by not even representing a player, but watching how the teams respond, watching how this agent responds, watching how the player responds, how they utilize the media or not, whether they hold out or not whether they do everything behind the scenes and keep a low profile. So my advice to my younger self would have been a little bit what I've done, which is learn from all situations, not just your own. That's like watching a game film. Yeah. Practice what you preach, huh? If you could put an ad on page one of a local paper or something that goes to the NFL, sharing your message or advice, what would it say and why? Well, I think for NFL prospects, they don't realize how precious the opportunity is to play in the NFL. I mean, it's like being, I don't do drugs, but it's like being on drugs on Sundays. But they also have to understand that behind the curtain, there's a lot of like blue collar type work you have to do. So my message would be very simple. I mean, you have to treat the NFL like you're working in a factory. You have to take your lunch pail to work. You got to clock in on time. You can't take a long lunch. You got to do your job or things are going to start going haywire on a similar line. If you can take a blue collar workman like mentality in the NFL, when you get done, you can have more money than you ever dreamed of. You can have your health, you can have relationships, and you can have opportunities. And if you, if you do those things, that's all everybody ever wants. Dependability. Performance, I suppose. You got to perform. 
For you, what's your most unusual habit, what others may consider out of the ordinary, that's helped you or your company most and why? Unusual habit? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I don't know what unusual habit I have. I ask a lot of questions. I really want to know what makes people tick. I want to understand their motivations. If I'm going to be a coach for my client, I need to know what his relationship is with his dad. I need to understand, is he running from something or is he running to something? It's Because at critical moments, especially during August, during, during training camp and during cut time, it's literally like playing a video game. You're, running, you're driving a race car and you pop over the hill and there's something in the road and you got to react quickly. My counsel and advice has to be quick and has to be on point because it can mean the difference between that player getting cut or not. And that drives back into why he's doing it, which pushes your advice one way or another. You have to know your clients. You have to know what, you know, what their dreams are. You have to know what their why is. It impacts completely how you communicate with them. You know, in thinking about the, the various whys for your clients, are there categories of whys that you run across? I would say so. I think some people, their why is fear of failure. They just don't want to fail. They'll do anything not to fail. I think some people chase money. Those guys play the shortest because once you give them a couple hundred thousand dollars or a couple million bucks, generally you don't keep making more money because you kind of attained what you were hoping for. I think the guys that are Christian and have a spiritual presence about them have a tendency to play longer as well because they know that the Lord's using them as a vehicle. Maybe changing something in their community, improving life in their community could be generational change for their family. So there's a lot of different motivators. Over the past three years, what belief or protocol have you established in the company that has impacted you or the company's success and why? I would say that in coaching players, it's helping them understand, I said this already, keep the main thing the main. There are, there's such a heightened media coverage of everything an NFL player does. When an NFL prospect is coming out, there's draft, draft nicks and people that project who's going to be what. If you get caught up into how other people view you, you'll get lost. If you get caught up into all the opportunities and all the doors that open for you that are, in my opinion, distractions, your career won't go as long as it should. And so, yes, you can buy a nice car, live in a nice neighborhood, buy a nice house, go on nice trips. You got some nice, you have some outstanding opportunities to go to Mexico and different places during the off season. Companies can reach out to you directly through social media. You get paid for your digital footprint. But if you don't keep the main thing, the main thing, all that goes away. And then you're going to do what's next. Exactly. What advice would you offer to somebody new coming into the agent world, knowing what you know now? I would say that it's probably not like they think it is, and that they should keep their antenna up to try to figure out what's the business really about. You know, Jerry Maguire was a great movie, but it's not reality. And the relationship that you have with your client isn't like what that's portrayed to be. I would say for a new person getting into business, they should shadow and try to work with reputable people. You know, you're going to learn by osmosis, see the interaction and the trust that's developed between a, an agent and a player. It's really kind of funny how trust is it's almost like a relay race on track. At the beginning, players trust you. 
because you're paying for their training, you're giving them, connecting them to the NFL teams. And then the first day they're on the job, they realize that the owner actually pays their, signs a paycheck. So the trust kind of transfers over to the teams. And then once they get sideswiped once by the team or one of their teammates do, then they realize, ooh, I can pull back. I can't put that much trust in the team because they can do that to me. And so trust is a tug of war. And so I think that what you have to do is establish a foundation of trust with your clients so much so that they understand that, hey, you know what? We want you to love your team. We want you to trust your coaches. We want you to do whatever they ask you to do. But there's going to come a time when their best interests and your best interests collide. And they always win. Always win. It is a business. It's a business. So you need to have enough trust with your agent that when he sees that collision coming, you can make an adjustment to your career to either go around it, under it, through it, whatever, but don't let it kill your career because the NFL teams, they're the boss. Folks have a general notion or a misconception about your role. What's the biggest misconception or common misconception about what you do? I would say there's two misconceptions. One is that we do negotiate the contracts. And up until 2011, when they implemented the, the wage scale and the new CBA, the rookie contracts were a big negotiation. They're not a big negotiation anymore. The veteran contracts are. But I think a lot of parents and players think that's all we do. That's not all we do. Okay. I would say the other thing is that agents can make a difference in a player's career, good or bad. Every time a player faces either a major decision or a crisis, the agent can make a difference. Because any, any agent worth his salt has seen it before. And so you can help young man's 23, 24 avoid a, a pitfall that he's, you know, that he's seen before, but the player hasn't. So if you go back to middle school, high school, college, this guy was the superstar. And now everybody on the team is a superstar. And so there's more to it. And so I think the misconception is that we're just negotiators, but really we're life coaches and we're coaches. And it's way more important than players realize. Looking back over the past few years, what should you have said no to and why? I think that I need to make sure that I practice what I preach, which is keeping the main thing the main thing. There's so many ways to get distracted in this business too, whether you think the trainer is going to make the difference. You think this marketing opportunity might make the difference. So there's marketing alliance or relationship. Or you think getting certain types of players is going to make a difference. Really for me, it's been find good dudes that have talent, that know who they are, have a big why, want to make an impact, and want somebody to walk through their career with them that is going to give them wise counsel and we're going to trust each other. If we do that, players maximize their careers. You know, for you on a day-to-day -day basis, what's a personal habit or maybe a self-talk dialogue that keeps you focused on what you should be doing? I have quiet time in the morning. I get up early. Um, today, cycling outdoors against 35-mile-an-hour wind, uphill. <laughs> But, both ways. Uh, sorry, both, yeah, both, both ways. ways. <laughs> that was uphill both ways too. And the wind was both ways. No, I think uh, it's a combination of my faith 
and my and just being mindful of exercising does a great thing for our mind to be clear and be able to handle you know any situation that we might run into. For the folks that want to reach out to you on social media, whether it's an athlete or an individual, how do they find you? How do they reach out to you? I'm not a big social media guy. I do social media, but that obviously can direct message me. You can find me on Twitter. They look me at and Google me just like anybody else in this business and we'll pop up. Everybody's got a cell phone too. What's your website? Pro football or I got too many. Too many. So we got a tier. <laughs> just three sixty sportsrep.com. Okay. Is there a quote? that you find meaningful or that you use frequently? I don't. I just believe in helping young men stay on the path. And so depending on the situation, whether it's, what's the distraction? Is it girls? Is it they're all focused on money? Is it they got they think they have to bring their second, third, fourth cousins with them everywhere they go? Do they have a posse? Whatever it is. So what I do is I try to focus, I make it situational. To wrap it up, because I've, I've been wearing you out. All of this. I think we're hanging in there. Huh? You know, no visible marks. Not yet. If I was to talk to your colleagues and ask them what you're best at, what would they say and how do you utilize that particular strength on a day-to-day basis? I think I have two strengths that come to mind. One is that I systemize things. So I try to make things smoother and easier by systemizing. And then with respect to clients, no one has a crystal ball. No one. But I feel like I can see the future for certain players because it's almost like God only made so many looks and so many different personalities. And players can only have so many different types of careers. And so you have the young man that might get drafted high and bust like a Johnny Manziel because he was distracted. Okay? Then you have guys like Chris Harris that was not drafted and only wanted by one team that becomes one of the highest paid players in the NFL. So there's all these different prototypes of player careers. And so one of the things I feel like I'm pretty good at is identifying a player and where he's going. And if it's a good place, support him in going in that direction. But if he's detouring, getting him back on track. Craig, you've been uh, gracious to answer tons of questions and invite me into your home. And you guys are needy in your preparation for your Pro Football Camp Charity. Yeah. And so I thought that to wrap this up, you would give a shout out to what you're doing for the youth here in Colorado Springs. So if you got just a minute, could you tell the folks about Absolutely. Pro Football Camp? Yeah, we're doing a Pro Football Camp for the 13th year here in Colorado Springs. I think we've served over 3,000 kids. I think we have about a dozen or so that are playing college football today. It is July 10th, 11th, and 12th this summer. And we'll have about 10 of our athletes come back. And it's just a great opportunity for us to get back to the community, share the love, so to speak. I mean, one of the things that's missing, I think, in sports is everybody wants a scholarship. Everybody wants to go pro and retire. But it's really about the love of the game. And I think our football camp exemplifies that and gives kids an opportunity to see that our players do love the game. Well, I sincerely appreciate you taking time out of your afternoon to be on the show. Thank you very much, Bob. Appreciate it.